Hello, my friends. My name is Colin McCartney. I'm a spiritual entrepreneur in the sense that I get to create new kingdom initiatives. I'm a speaker and I'm an author, but most importantly, I am married to the beautiful Judith McCartney. And I'm the beautiful Judith McCartney. I'm a leadership trainer, author, and pastor. Welcome to The Other Side, a podcast where we welcome a variety of guests with a variety of views on a variety of topics for today. Listen well as we hope you will be inspired to act upon what you hear from The Other Side. Well, Randy, welcome to The Other Side podcast. It is great to have you on our show, and I really thank you for being on the show today. Thank Um, you for inviting me. You're always invited. I mean, I've been to your nation twice, and I've uh, been so blessed by being with you and your people uh, and at your church. So it's been great. So, so, Randy, you're a friend, but you're not just a friend. You're a brother. You're a chief, which is amazing. You're a pastor, which is, an ama- which is amazing. You're a father and a husband. Out of all those titles, what are you most proud of? <laughs> being, being a husband, I think, and a grandfather. Oh. I'm actually, I just became a great-grandfather when we celebrated our first great-granddaughter a month and about a little more than a month and a half ago. We had to go fly to Portland to go visit her. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And you have to make sure your family listens in because they get to hear that. Yeah. Uh, that is what's most important, being a father, being a grandfather, and, and all about family. And that's, you know what, Randy, now that I think about it, that's what I love about uh, the Indigenous people. That you guys have such a respect for your elders, you have a respect for tradition, you have a respect for generations of family members. And why, why is that? Why, why is it that the, our Indigenous brothers and sisters, you guys can teach us, non-Indigenous people, so much about what I would say is just this respect for family, this honor for family, yeah. uh, and also the environment. I mean, you guys are amazing with that. Um, what, what is within the, the culture that makes those things stand out for you? I think it's just uh, the attack on our people or, or whatever you want to call it is, is when the residential school policy was implemented where our, our children were taken away and, and forced to uh, learn a new culture, new language and, and, and a religion mm. and, 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 and forbidden to speak their own languages. Uh, their braids were cut off. Something that a lot of our people were proud of, but also being away from home. And I think when now, I think that's why a lot of people say, well, why don't the, the, they go find jobs in cities? Well, something was taken away and they're so ha- happy to be home for the first time. Mm. What a great, see, I wouldn't have seen that. I wouldn't have noticed that. Um, but uh, that's so true through the suffering. I guess community, community can be built through suffering. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's what that's where we're relearning a lot of these things because anyone that was six years old and up to about 16 years old where they grew up in, a, in a, an environment that was away from their home, away from their parents, away from the, the way of life that they were. So they, they should have had an opportunity to live and then they've never experienced that. So they, they, that's why people are in the streets. They're lost because they've never had a, they've never made a connection. And that's when you talk about environment, that's we, we there's four things about that we really uh, uh, look at it, and then number four for us is a is a sacred word, and, and there's four directions. There's a, the four elements: the wind, the water, fire, and the sun. Mm. You know, all those things. There are certain things, and even with the 
uh, I think with with the TP teachings, the first one that you when you walk in from the left side and when you walk into a TP, the first one is tohta means listen. So, mm. Are you ready to listen? And by the time you get to the last pole, there's 17 poles in the Cree language, Cree TP teaching. This last one is it? Are you ready to face the world now? A lot of that stuff never. A lot of those uh, values, TP teachings, are never instilled to our people. That's why they're 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 relearning a lot of that stuff. Even for myself, I'm I, I didn't pick that up until this year. Really, that's amazing. So, seventeen. It's like it's like the stations of the cross for the Christian listeners, you know, especially from the Catholic background. You go through these stations and memorize, you know, it helps your memory. Yeah. It helps, actually has an emotional impact on you. I didn't know that they built teepees around a story like that. Yeah, and then, as I said, we, and we never, and that was never taught to us. Because I re- attended the residential school. It was just always go to the Catholic church and pray and then pray the Our, Our Father. But mm-hmm. now we're learning, okay, there's some value to what we have. And, and there's some things that we can Add to the the to mainstream society that some of our teachings are 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 worth worthwhile learning. Wow, I, I want to learn more about the teepee, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially the part. I think you said when you walk in, it's about listening first. Exactly, and that's that's the thing in in our language that means are you ready to listen? Oh, that's the step first step of wisdom. Are you exactly. ready to listen? Well, there you know for our listeners, are are our listeners ready to listen? I hope you are listeners because. We've already been blessed with some wisdom here from Randy already, especially from the cult. Teach us more about your cultural, the wisdom from your culture. I'm learning so much now. I'd love to hear more. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the four elements I was just talking about that at yeah. the, the, the leadership camp is that the wind, it's good for us because it, 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 it's able to you see that the leaves move and you're able to get a breath of life from it. And, and, and that's something. But at the same time, wind can be dangerous. We have tornadoes and stuff. So we have to respect it. Huh. And fire, fire keeps us warm, but at the same time, fire can kill you, mm. right? With house fires and brass fires, like you've seen what's happened in the devastation in D.C., you know, and, and also the, the, the sun, it, like you said, it's, it's, it can, it's, it's so good for us, but at the same time, you know, there's some things that we have to learn about. Water is good for us, water for us to drink, it's water is life, we say in our culture, uh, and, and, but at the same time, you can drown in water. You know, there's things about it that tidal waves and all these things. So we, we we're taught to respect all creation and, and all living things and what what uh, what our, our God has provided for us, and we have to respect it. Otherwise, we we pay a price. They say if we don't respect it. When you, because you're a pastor, and I understand, we all know the horrible history of Christendom has had on our First Nations brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. How how did how do your people? in your nation where you live and you're also a chief, how do they treat you as a Christian? It, it's difficult, especially at this time where uh, the unmarked graves were fine. It's been a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, praying and, and, and trying to get individuals to understand where, well, I grew up in a residential school. I was sexually abused. If God was so loving, why do you allow, allow that to happen? Right? So you, you got to find a way to, to answer those types of questions where we say God is love. People just blurt out scriptures and, and, and say that, you know, I have this answer. But deep down, there's a hurt in a lot of our people. So, mm-hmm. and, I always, and I always challenge individuals and say, you know, what, if you, if you really want to make an impact, you have to be genuine. Mm-hmm. 
are you willing to sit down with an individual that's hurting and, and let them tell you their story? And it's not just a five minute conversation. It can go on for a while because they, for the first time, someone's actually listening. For the first time, some of them are actually talking. And for us right now, when you talk about the Pope coming on July 25th to, to my great yeah. heritage, to urban skin, I'm the chief that's going to be the, wow. the host for, I don't know how many thousands of people we're, we're, huh. we're and some of them for the first time are going to come back to Ermanskin that attend because we had uh, people or kids at the time that came from different reserves all across Alberta, Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. This might be the only time they came back since they've ever attended, attended school and that might be putting closure to it or maybe adding more anger. I don't, I, we don't know. So is the Pope coming to where you are or is it to one of the bigger cities and then you're going to be there with the Pope? No, the Pope is coming to, to Muscotzi. He's coming to my Ermanskin Cree Nation. We've, we've met with the Vatican. We've met with the National Committee. And, and we've been planning everything from security, transportation, everything that we feel that is, is necessary to make sure that people have a chance to listen, but at the same time, that, and, and then also expose the Pope to some of the things like our where the, the old residential school site was, where the cemetery is, the church, but also to be able to address the people and and all the all most people, all they want to hear him is say three words: "I am sorry." Is he going to say it? We we don't know. <laughs> We're hoping, but at the same time, it might it might bring peace to people for the first time to hear somebody say, "I." Yeah, we 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 are because when he made that announcement in, in, at the Vatican in Rome, he just said, "We are sorry for the people that took part, but wow. not taking not taking ownership that yeah, the church did this." Wow, and he is the Pope. He's a symbol, the representation of the church. Yeah, exactly. I hope I you know hope and pray. He says, "I'm sorry." Uh, maybe mm-hmm. hey, if I were to fly down and visit you, could I be there when he's there? Or does it just open? Is it just yeah. for your people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can, he can come. He can be my guest. <laughs> I'll sit, sit in the back of the crowd and just listen. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The place where we're at, we can fit about ten thousand people, maybe more. Wow. But, but we're going to have overflow here and there, and then transportation is going to be a real. Uh, and we're working with the national RCMP and, and also our local here, and then and, and really. It's it's so good. Just from one idea where I just said, you know, I got to get people together, got to get committees together. I had one chairperson there just running with it, and it's so wow. so good. Huh? That's amazing. So you think the people? We hope he says, "I am sorry." You mentioned that it could reopen some wounds. It, it already has, and and that's something I've already talked to mental health supports, and okay. we're talking about that and saying that you know there's. There's something before because we, when the unmarked graves were found in, in Kamloops last year, uh, I was away and I seen it on headlines. And, and and when I got home, my wife was talking to my my wife Fran was talking to my daughter, my oldest daughter Jamie, and all the uh, my daughter said, "What's Dad going to do? What's Dad going to do?" Mm-hmm. So when I got home, they asked me, "Well, what do you want me to do?" So they said, "Well, people want to get together. They want to gather." So I, I texted all the other three chiefs because we have four chiefs in, in Muscogee. And I said, what do, what do you guys think of our gathering where we can talk about this and, and, and acknowledge what's, uh, uh, and, and, and actually maybe help the, the people of Kamloops and, and have a vigil. Mm-hmm. And you, you wouldn't believe like in a time of COVID where people responded and they were having their little places where they could sit, but there was a lot of people there. And you know what, for me, I, uh, because of being a, a former student, 
being on interviews, I had sunglasses on. I was crying through that all the time. I, I think I cried for two weeks straight. Wow. That's why your kids are saying, what's dad going to do? How do you get and healing? I, like, and you don't have to answer this. It's too personal. Yeah, and maybe you're yeah. still going through healing, but you are a survivor of a residential school. Mm-hmm. How do you get through the, the past to be where you are today? Well, you know, I think you think as a pastor, you, you, you've always gone to a place where I, I, you're up there and you're, you're addressing a, a congregation or a crowd and, and telling them this is how life is and this, you can do this. But actually getting to a place where you had to, uh, some triggers happened, right? For me, it was a lot of triggers and like I have never cried so much in my life. And that's the first time I think my wife came over and, and, and stood behind me because I couldn't even finish. I started saying welcome and I just didn't mm. even finish my, didn't even finish addressing the crowd that time. That's how, that's how emotional it was. And, and, and the, 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 the tough part about it, my wife and I are doing our PhD studies in leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, the book we were reading is on for, was on forgiveness and I was supposed to write about it. I had to drop the course. I couldn't even do it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's one thing to say, yeah, it's one thing to, to forgive someone, you still got a lot to work through. Yeah. I think, I think that's the biggest thing because most of my, uh, 80% of my former classmates are not, are not here. They died. I don't know what about that age group because it just turned mm-hmm. 60 and, and what it is about that, whatever happened, but they, 80% of them are no longer here. So I, I, prom- I made a promise and I made a vow to them, you know what? Uh, and, and it was in about 1976, one of them came to me and said, Randy, you have to be our voice. Mm-hmm. And, and what I did before that, uh, before I went to go speak at the Shaw Conference Center to speak to all the uh, urban municipalities of Alberta, mm-hmm. I, I accepted an invitation not knowing it was going to be all across Alberta. I thought it was just <laughs> small towns. And, and, and uh, um, but, you know, before I went, I went to the cemetery and I went to visit my, all my former classmates graves and cross reading them and i said with a, with a i guess uh i just took a big gulp and said um okay let's go we're gonna go tell our story mm. you guys are you guys are coming with me <laughs> well you know the ta- the bible talks about a great cloud of witnesses um mm. and, and those witnesses i i believe they're cheering us on uh, so good exactly. for you randy for seeking justice and uh giving them a voice i know with our ministry, Connect City, we work a lot with the poor and, and the people who don't have a voice. And it's so important that we give people a voice to be able to share uh, what's happened to them, to be able to share how they're getting through things. Um, and, and I always believe a, a, a heart that hurts is a heart that works. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I think that's, that's so important because in uh, 1969, and I don't think I've shared this with you, Colin, is that... Uh, I had an older brother. His name was Brian. He was 17 years old, 1969 October. He came home from residential school. You know what he did? Straight and hung himself. Mm. 17 years old. Mm. Something else. He came home, but he didn't come home, right? So you think about the unmarked graves. That's what kind of made me think about it. And it's still painful when you think about it today. But at the same time, those are the individuals that we have to talk because something did happen. And the government and the church are still denying it. Something happened. So three of my older brothers are gone. They all went through mm-hmm. school. I'm so sad to hear that. It's just, it breaks my heart, you know, like, oh, 
And then, you know, people will, will look at your people and they'll say, well, look, they got such a high crime rate. They have a high, uh, you know, drug usage. Um, mm -hmm. So and it is terrible. The, amounts, the, 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 the ratio of people in jail who are, who are indigenous yeah. in, in, in comparison to the population. But look at what they've gone through. Look at what you've gone through. Look at what it's intergenerational pain as well from yeah. years and years of abuse and forgotten and neglect. It has a toll even today and even how people raise their kids, right? Because of yeah, people yeah. will end up, you know, they have their own issues. They got to deal with that. It's just, yeah. it's an ongoing cycle. Well, that's, I think that's uh, a friend of mine. I went to go to Vancouver a couple of weeks ago for meetings and, and I met one of my friends there and, and she said, you know what? The, everybody looks at us from a deficit, but we have mm. things that we can share. And then it was all, you come from a residential school, you come from a broken family and the list can go on, but there's a reason why. Right, mm -hmm. we we're not. What society is not addressing that, and and, and mm -hmm. churches aren't really addressing that. Where yeah, we, we, if we if we if we say we have compassion, like for me as a chief, I thought as I a pastor, I thought yeah, I have compassion. Until I became a chief again, I I, I realized you know what I don't have, hmm. like I, I I don't have that compassion that I talk full compassion I talk about. I have mm -hmm. to learn. Wow, and here you are. You're about my age. We're still young bucks, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but we've been around a long time. <laughs> but yeah, 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 we're, yeah, we're still learning compassion. But wouldn't yeah. compassion, though, would you say compassion starts with having compassion on ourselves? Well, then that's the thing. We, we, when we, we kind of, uh, yeah, I think we, we have to realize that it, it's, there's some things that happen in our lives and say it's not our fault. Yeah. And we have to understand that it, we, we, there's some things that maybe we've witnessed in our own family or parents because they all all of my family went to residential school yeah yeah and i'm and i'm the only one that has a formal education of all my brothers and sisters wow wow so that's a cyclical of the cycle of abuse and again internet intergenerational trauma mm -hmm. uh it, it's it's horrible mm -hmm. well how so you have a church you actually pastor a church there mm -hmm. does your church have some sort of a healing ministry uh, to your people who are hurting, but that's a, that's something that we never really focused on. It was more like, yeah, bring people to the, to understand who Jesus is, right? But yeah. we we kind of forgot about the residential school or all that. We kind of said, well, they'll have to fix that. There's no one can, but but it's not the, it's it's the people of all faiths and beliefs that are coming and saying, you know what? Nobody's ever taught me about this love. Nobody's ever taught me about compassion. Nobody's ever taught me, talked to me about forgiveness. Mm. How do you get there, right? And that's that's a that's a real hard conversation to to have, and how how do you explain? But we have to demonstrate at the same time, right? You know, and that's 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 a real challenge for us right now because, like I said, we we are preparing ourselves. What if more triggers happen? Yeah. The Pope will come and speak. They're gone. We have to pick up the pieces. And it's easy to say, I am sorry and hop on a plane and leave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I don't, I, it's not that it's not as simple as people are, are thinking that. Yeah. Maybe for some, it would be just be a relief. Right. But for right. some, it's just going to be, Hey, I, 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 I heard the story of, I ever heard about someone wanting forgiveness but I, I need something in my life. I, need, I might need forgiveness for my own kids because of the way I've lived. Yeah. 
mm. through alcoholism and whatever. And I forgot about them. So there's now they may want to come back and relearn how to be a parent. You know, all those things. And people aren't, aren't really thinking about that. But I'm, I'm already thinking mm. about that. There's just a huge gamut of things that are going to be addressed by certain individuals that are going to hear him and, and talk about it. But it's not just one little thing. Yeah, for goodness sake, I can move on. No, it's it's. It, I think it's a it's a it's a journey from there on in. Yeah, especially for you guys. The question the question for you is what now? And like you said, there'll be this whole variety of issues that um mm-hmm. that could be mm-hmm. popping up. And I think it must be hard. Like you know, you've been through the residential school. You don't want to talk about it. You've already been through it. That's the last thing you want. <laughs> you know, it's it's opening that wound again. And and if. Yeah. Yet, yet on the other hand, because you've been through it, you could be the wounded healer. Um, I think that's a, that that's the biggest thing. The theme that they talked about for Muskoti, there's a number of things that they're going to address. The, for us, it's the truth. Yeah, and and, uh, and and you know what we another talked to me about this too before. I said, uh, "There's your story, there's my story, and then there's the truth." Mm. Where, how do you want to address it? Right, hmm. and then that's something that we're going to be really looking at and examining as we plan right now, and, and getting those supports and whatever area that is necessary to help individuals pass through that in a safe manner, yeah. and still be with us for the rest of their life, <laughs> their, yeah. their lives on here. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. You asked the question. You said people will say to you, "Why would God?" kind of allow this to happen or why would God mm-hmm. do this to our, to our people? How do you respond to that? That's a hard one. You mm-hmm. can't even answer that, that right, right there, right there. You say, you know what, let's, uh, you have to try and start a conversation the other way and, and, and in a way, not trying to avoid it, but because how can we explain that to people? Right. Mm-hmm. And because we, we always say, Oh, God's so loving to me. Cause I, we can talk about it as believers and we've been able to overcome some things or have we, but it, but for someone to come and say that, you know what, I, you talk about this God that's so forgiving and loving and protecting. How come I wasn't protected? How do you answer that? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And those right. are the types of questions we get all the time. Right. But people are, people are responding. Yeah. And, and then the amount of people going back to church lately has been, or even back to spirituality has been, I just get, got back from our uh, uh, a ceremony here where we met, it was about the Indian residential school. There was two of them in St. Albert, one in Blue Quills by St. Paul, and right here in, in Muscogee and, and in Broad Elvis. We had more visitors than our own local people. Hmm. We had a little ceremony to to start it off and, and say we, they had a pipe ceremony. Okay. The yeah. Elvis came and that's what they, they talked about. And they had me speak because... That's my comedian. They said, what do you want to talk about? I said, well, we want to remember those children that went to school but never came home. Mm-hmm. And we want to remember, and at the same time, we want to uh, recognize that it's going to bring, it's going to reopen some triggers and traumas. That really, people are going to be re-traumatized again. Uh, let's pray about that. And then let's pray for these individuals that will decide to come for the first time and, and be brave about it for the first time. And that's what I'm anticipating is that I might see some of my former classmates from other reserves that for the first time since wow. the 1960s. Man, I'm going to be praying that this will be such a time of healing. Um, mm-hmm. 
So back to this question, though, where, where was God? They, they, ask you that. they may ask yeah. you, where, where was the Christian God? But there's native spirituality. Mm-hmm. Indigenous people have a belief in God. Mm-hmm. Would they have an explanation for that from their view? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I, I can't answer that okay. to tell you the truth because they're, 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 they're starting to find their way again. Mm-hmm. It could be whatever they feel that a lot of people say, you know, this is my journey. This is the beginning of my journey where it leads them. We, we don't know, but at least they're saying for the first time, I believe in my own spirituality because I was, I was always told that this was pagan. Yes, yes, this, yes, this was yes, not yes. good. And for the, and some are saying, you know, I'm finding some truths about myself that mm-hmm. I am, I, for myself, we're Cree. Plains Cree people are saying, I'm a Plains Cree. I'm so proud. I'm growing my boys again. I'm be able to dress who, and you know, and they're going back to their Cree names. I have a Cree name. And it's really ironic because it's a, uh, they went into a ceremony before I got my headdress. My, we call it a war bonnet when you're a war bonnet when you're a chief. And they, they went to a ceremony, the elders, and, and they respected my faith. He said, uh, Randy, we respect your faith, but this name that we first came up with it, when we went to a ceremony, your grandfather said that yeah, your name should be, I'm his grandson, the first ever chief of Erminskin. Hmm. Then two days before the, uh, the, the transfer, the headdress transfer ceremony, they said, oh, we went in again uh, and we were given another name. But we want to, uh, we observe your faith and we, wanna, uh, we want to respect your faith. Uh, we'll tell you. And then they they, 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 they told me what it is. And it's, it's in our language, it says, but in English, he who throws the light. He who throws the light? He who throws the light. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So here I am today. Yeah, saying, throwing the light yeah. to the point that the Pope's showing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Like, what's the chances of that? He who throws the yeah. light. Yeah. That's amazing. that was a great interview i had such a a good time interviewing randy and i learned so much and you know we usually have a co-host on who's my wife judith mccartney but she is on sabbatical so we have someone else who is just as wonderful uh just as smart and that's shayun shayun thank you for being our co-host not only are you the producer of this wonderful podcast uh but now you're the co-host how does it feel i thank you for having me it's a bit nerve-wracking but we'll see We'll see how it goes. You'll do great. You'll do great. You're <laughs> smart. You're wise. Um, and it's so good. And I want you to know that if you disagree with me on stuff, that's okay. Because that's part of the other side. Um, we learn to agree to disagree and learn from sometimes our disagreements. Tell us a little bit about yourself, though, because maybe the listener would like to learn a little bit more about you, Shane. Yes. Um, I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. And I lived there until I was 16. And then I moved to England for university and then I moved to Canada in 2017 yes for my master's degree now I work with Connectity as technology director but in my free time I do writing so I like writing stories and poetry and um scripts yeah and my big dream has always been to do tv but this is also nice (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about this interview because you were in on it. In fact, I think you even make an appearance either in this episode or in the second episode. Again, our listeners, we do have uh, the interviews divided into two parts, episode one and episode two. Uh, But during this 
episode one. I'm just kind of curious. Like, here you are. You're, you're, you're kind of new to Canada. You've been here for five years. What was your perspective of the government, of the nation, and how we've treated Indigenous people? I'd be kind of curious to hear if, if you knew of this history. I actually, not exactly. I had, a, I had an inclination when you talk of Indigenous people, but I always thought of them in America, not in Canada, for some reason. So I knew kind of what happened in the Americas when people were colonizing and trying to get land. Um, but it wasn't until I moved to Canada that I really saw how deep like it ran or still runs in like the system. And even the past two years working with Connexity and meeting different people in the Mennonites Central Committee. So mm-hmm. cool. Yes, and just doing research into um, the government's treatment of indigenous people was like, oh, this is actually really bad. Like it's way worse than I thought. And I thought it was bad already, but this is way worse than I thought it, it was before. Yeah, it's like our stains. It's kind of like, we don't like to talk about it. And, uh, but right now we have no choice. As, as Randy mentioned, you know, we have these child graves um, and these, yeah. you know, it's so been so sad. And, and it's, it's been able to bring up the injustice back into the spotlight. Uh, we have work to do here as Canadians, uh, yeah. listeners. We have a lot of work to do uh, for our Indigenous brothers and sisters. And um, Randy certainly shines a lot of light into that. It was so good to hear his perspective. You know, Shane, he said something about his people. We, he talked about the Pope coming, which I asked him the question, what, what is it that you want to hear the Pope say? Mm-hmm. And he said, I, we need to hear him say, I am sorry. Yeah. What do you think about that? When he said that, like, to me, those that's three words. Will that bring healing? Like, is that, or is that just the beginning of it? Um, does there need to be more? What, what did you think about that? I think, I think that will be a start. I do think there also needs to be more, but I think for a lot of people, it's like the bare minimum you can do to say, I'm sorry. And for the fact that that hasn't happened yet, like mm. to, to people that's like, but this is literally the least you could do is just say these three words and you're not even doing that. So you're not even acknowledging um, the role the church had in what happened in Canada's history. And I understand, like, I always hear some people say, like, white people in this generation would be like, oh, that was our ancestors. Like, we didn't do it. Um, but I think even like for the Pope, because he literally is like the representative of the church on the earth, like everybody sees him as the representative of the church. That is a big responsibility and sometimes we need to even as Christians we need to like put down our pride and, and acknowledge this is what the church has done in history and we need to be able to face that and not run away from it yeah you know it's funny I was talking to a friend of mine and he was saying I was talking about the interview and he was saying well you know the indigenous people before the white man came well they were doing this wrong and they were doing that wrong and it's amazing how we have a hard time to take responsibility to be able to say, I'm sorry for what we had done. We, we always seem to deflect stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, they did this and we gaslight things. And I just wonder why, why, why do you think Christians have a hard time to say, I'm sorry, I messed up. I'm sorry. Now, you're a young adult. You're a yeah. young Christian. Um, why is it that we can't do that? Why are we so proudful? I'm talking about my generation, the older generations, the ones that are in the so-called power seats, What's your perspective of that as a young upcoming leader? I mean, even for my generation too. Um, I actually don't know, to be honest. Because it's it seems simple that you would be able to acknowledge that, but I I actually have an idea. I don't I don't know why people are having a hard time 
just acknowledging wrongdoings in, in our history. I do think it's a pride thing um, or just like an unwillingness to be seen as wrong or to be, yeah, or to be wrong. But I don't know why that is. Mm-hmm. I think, when, you know, one thing Randy said that just hit me between the eyes was he talked about the Cree teaching when it came to the teepee. And he talked about the first thing you come into a teepee. I think he said, you look to the left and you ask the question, am I ready to listen? Mm-hmm. And, and wow, it just hit me because as a white male who's older, so, you know, white male privilege, <laughs> um, I think my generation, um, the question I, I, I hit, we have to ask is, are, are we really ready to listen? Yeah. And maybe that's pride. We're not ready to listen. Like that, if we're ready to listen, we can set aside our pride. Um, yeah. But but man, we're just not ready to listen. Yeah, and I think that also maybe plays into religion a little bit because I know even me, like we we probably all do this to some extent when we think when we think we know God and we know what He wants. You know, like as a Christian, you're like, well, I read my Bible. I know what the will of God is. I know what the difference between right and wrong is. And so because of that, if you see someone else who you think from your perspective is wrong, you assume that God is on your side. And and because of that, you're like, well, I'm right. So I don't need to hear what you have to say because I know I'm right, which isn't always the case. And I think, again, that that feeds into pride because I, I always think that God is more nuanced than my perspective only, you know, he, he, he created the whole world. So obviously he understands where everybody's coming from. Even if we're doing wrong things, he kind of gets how to talk to us and how to deal with us, but we're not willing to do that to other people. Wow. That's a good observation. You're right. Like God does that for us. I really believe God, he actually is willing to listen because I think he works with us, you know, and if you're going to, if we're going to work together to make the world a better place, we need to be listeners first. Any of the scriptures say that, right? It says, you know, we need to, in James, it talks about the tongue being a fire and, and mm-hmm. just how you need to, you, know, you need to be wise. You need to listen. Um, you know, don't speak right away, but listen well. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, there's a scripture, I forget where it is. It's probably in Proverbs where um, it says, walk with the wise. And I thought, it didn't say run with the wise. <laughs> mm-hmm. It says walk. And to me, the walking is a posture of, um, it takes time in that walk, that slow walk, you're able to listen. There's a rhythm, a good rhythm of listening. And, yeah. you know, if we were to walk with our indigenous brothers and sisters and listen to them, wow, we would learn, you know, so much. And Randy shared about the culture and the decree teaching and just, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like what you said, Shane, you said there's something like, we just can't totally figure God out there. The nuance of God, we just, we can learn some more and some more because God is so big. Mm-hmm. You know, if we learn to listen how do you see god portrayed in canada you've been here for five years yes you mean like in canadian church yeah have we listened well um i think well i guess it depends on like where you go generally i don't think people listen well generally yeah. even outside the church to be honest but i think Again, the thing of when you think you know God, it's I, sometimes I think it's harder to listen because you think you know what's right. Um, yeah, I do know, like I've heard of people who've had experiences 
um, with coming here from outside and then struggling with how they see God and how God sees them. I even had that a little bit myself, although mine was more of a byproduct. It wasn't like someone said it to me. It was just <laughs> the vibe. <laughs> um, but yeah, you start to question how God sees you because you don't act like somebody else you see in church, which I've come to realize maybe it's a culture thing. We just are different yeah. people. But I didn't know that at first. I said, like, why am I not like so into this? Why am I not so into that? All these people are into this. How come I'm not that? Am, am I the sinner? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So that that's more where I've been and where I've heard people talk about. It. It's like God becomes so almost restrictive. Yeah. But I think that's because we've had other experiences and they were coming to a different one where those other experiences aren't acknowledged just because they're not known about, not because, I mean, yeah. some people push them away, but other people just don't know about them. So, yeah. Yeah. We tend to have like, there's a cultural bias, I think, mm. you know, it's, I think George Bernard Shaw, good Irishman. I think he said um, in the beginning, God created man and man returned the favor. <laughs> we, we tend to create God in, in our own image yeah. to justify our culture, you know, um, where God is not beholden or restricted by any culture. Yeah. And so that's why we have to listen well. Are you ready to listen? Because God can teach us so much about himself from various cultures. Um, to me, I think the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge is to, to, to be able to listen well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and along those lines, as we talk about listening, I know at the beginning of the interview, when I was talking to Randy, I, I was questioning him or I was asking how do I describe where you live? Is it a reservation? Um, and he, he corrected me and he said, no, no, no. Um, he said, well, you know, sometimes we call it that, but he said, it's best to call us a nation. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where we have to listen. I had to ask him that question because yeah. I didn't want my, I mean, reservation to me sounds like a, a colonizing term, Yeah. you know, and, um, but I'm glad that he said, you know, we're, we're a nation mm-hmm. and he's the chief of a nation. Um, so, so again, listeners, we got to learn to listen well, and especially with people who are, who have been victims of injustice. Um, they're the ones that can teach us how to, to come alongside and how to make things right. Mm-hmm. But are we ready to listen? <laughs> yeah, That's the question. Any, any, any other thoughts you had from that first interview? Um, love to hear what you have to say. Yes. He said something. He said, if you really want to make an impact, you have to be genuine and I think he was just referring to experiencing hurt as well, like going through systems that hurt him also. And now, now being a chief, but also being a pastor and like leading and shepherding people and trying to take care of them. And that brings to my mind also about leadership and how sometimes leaders, like they don't want to be seen as weak or they don't want to, they want people to think that they don't know God that well or they're too far away. So they'll hide their faults or their flaws or the things that have hurt them. Um, but Rodney was mentioning actually being open about those things helps people more and being genuine genuine with your feelings and emotions and your thoughts actually helps people more in the long run, which I think is really interesting and something that we can also learn from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And you think about Jesus, I mean, here's God in the flesh. Um, boy, he was very emotional. People, you know, he, he wept. Um, uh, you could see his his. There's times he'd be angry. There's times where he had such compassion, um, and he was genuine. Like you said, he, you know, 
I think we talked about the wounded healer. I don't know if it was in this mm. episode or the second episode, but it broke my heart when Randy talked about his brother coming home from the residential school and, and, and committing suicide at the age of 17. Wow. I mean, what, what Canada, what we did to those, those precious people. Oh, it's just so sad. Um, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the church. Yeah. Which is why I think it's strange to me that we're not even owning it because mm. the fact that we've, the church has done so much horrible stuff in the name of God and then is now pretending like it didn't happen when everyone can see that you did these things in the name of God. I also think that's like, that's a bad witness. Like you're not showing people that God is somebody they want to get to know because you've done all these terrible things. And isn't that something that we should care about too? It's like <laughs> the reputation we've made for God. Isn't that something we want to to show people that actually he's not like this. He's more like this. So mm-hmm. that, that always, that shocks me even more. Like when I was watching this, the show called Anne, Anne with an E, it's a Canadian show. And I was watching that over the holiday with my parents, my family. Mm-hmm. And there's an episode in there where they really, or a season where they really go into the residential schools. And like, I'd heard the stories and everything, but actually seeing, it wasn't even too gory because it's for kids, but even seeing how that played out is it's very heartbreaking to watch and my mom was watching it and she was like oh my gosh that's so terrible like seeing it was shocking for her as well so imagining that kind of hurt and then just not doing anything about it after it's yeah it's kind of it's kind of sad that we, we the church do that yeah you know and, and the whole idea was to take the culture away because we weren't ready to listen mm-hmm. you know we just weren't ready to listen um, and a lot i mean back to the creed teaching you talked about the first step, are you ready to listen? And there's like 17 different things. Are you ready to be kind? Are you ready to be uh, forgiving? Are you, you know, gracious, all this stuff. And then finally, are you ready to face the world? Mm. And I think religion can just stop that from happening. You know, like we can use religion to, to basically justify our sin. Mm-hmm. We can lean on religion to help us not be real like like you said not to to be genuine mm-hmm. um because we can say well i prayed about it i don't have to talk about it i, I prayed about it i prayed for forgiveness or i prayed for this person yeah. but did you really did you really feel for this person did you cry for this person did you weep for this person that's real prayer mm-hmm. <laughs> and as shane claiborne said earlier right uh, one of our first interviews he said sometimes when you pray and ask god to move a mountain he'll give you a shovel yeah you know, and I, so I really believe that probably 99% of my verbal prayers, to me, prayers, there's times I speak to God and there's times I listen to God. The most effective prayer, again, is, is when we listen, <laughs> you're ready to listen. But when I do speak to God, I find, I don't know about you, Shane, but I do find like 99% of the time, maybe 99.9% of the time God says, okay, you're the answer to your own prayer. Mm-hmm. You're praying for this person, but now go and do it. Yeah. You know, if this person is hurting, then go over there and bring some healing. Yeah. So, you know, if Christians are going to pray for our indigenous brothers and sisters to be healed of the pain, then what are we doing about it? Yeah. You know, as allies, you know, and we'll talk about allies in the in the second uh, session because we talked about that. Um, you know, yeah, the residential schools. What a what a stain. Mm-hmm. You know, what a stain on our culture. Um, and so, you know, what struck me too, I don't know if, if it hit you like it hit me when Randy said he's just starting to learn his culture again. 
Yes. He's 60 years old. He got taken away from him. Yes. You know, in the, in the residential schools. So, yeah, there's just so much we can learn. Are we ready to listen? We can learn from others. Yeah.